0: 1 verses 1 through 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, All right. Last Bible study, uh, we looked at some background info of Ephesians, covered its main themes, structure, audience, author, and some other precursory. Is that how you say that word? Pre precursory uh, information information beforehand. Um, we also read through the entirety of Ephesians last week. So if you want to hear someone read through the whole book of Ephesians, then you can go back to last week's study and listen to it. Uh, We'll be reading through the entirety of the letter at some point in the future, uh, probably around the midpoint or at the beginning of chapter four, as well as probably on the last uh, session, like chapter six. So that will come in the future if you enjoy hearing people read through the entirety of books. Um, but we covered all of the majority of the introductory information last week. So now we can get into the actual verses that started off. So let's do that. Ephesians 1.1 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful to Christ Jesus. We identified the authorship of Ephesians last week, but for those of you who have forgotten, the author is Paul, uh, as it says right in front of us, uh, Paul establishes his status or authority, uh, which he tends to do in epistles. His authority is that of an apostle, um, I'm going to reuse the definition of apostle that I have from R.C. Sproul that I used in Romans 1. So if you remember that far back, I do apologize for my repetition, uh, but you must have some pretty good memory to remember all the way that far, about like a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but Sproul says an apostle is someone who is an official messenger of the gospel An apostle is different from just any messenger an apostle was an eyewitness of the resurrection he cites acts 1 and first corinthians 15 8 who had personally who had been personally appointed by christ uh you can quote from here of christ jesus we see that in the beginning part um and he cites C, Matthew 10, 1-7, Acts 1, 24-26, and Galatians 1, 1. Uh, to govern the early church, he cites 1 Thessalonians 4, 8, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, and 14. Uh, and to teach or write with authority, 1 Corinthians 14, 37, uh, 1 Corinthians... Oh, sorry. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, 2 Peter 3.15, and 16. As one who has received special revelation from God, uh, Ephesians 2.20 and 3.5. The term is used as a title of the 12 disciples and Paul in a distinctive sense. So Paul obviously meets the qualifications of an apostle as laid out here, or else we'd be reading this letter in a very different light. Uh, Paul is an apostle, and that carries authority with it. It is not of Paul's own authority that he has earned, but the authority lies with he who has sent him. Paul is an apostle, official messenger of Christ Jesus, and Paul's message that he delivers is done so by the will of God and within God's will for his breathed-out word. We can uh, We also can see who the uh the audience is who's going to be receiving it. Uh Paul is addressing the saints. Paul is addressing Christians. He is addressing his fellow brother and sister in Christ who have died to their sin and have been raised alongside Christ. Where are these saints? Uh, that part is a bit up for debate. The earliest manuscripts do not include in Ephesus, uh, and rather is a more broader to the saints uh, we highlighted this last week and this letter could be meant for a more broad group of people within west asia minor area uh, but the some ambiguity won't really affect too much how we read through this letter ephesians is addressed first and foremost to christians it's addressed to the saints uh, paul is addressing the saints who are faithful in christ jesus paul is addressing the saints who even in the pagan environment being near a massive temple of worship to goddess Diana, they have remained faithful in Christ Jesus. The saints have remained strong, even in a culture filled with the antithesis, antithesis to Christian teaching. Uh, that is something that probably a lot of us in the modern day can relate to. Our society is rife with idolatry and sin, and it might not take the form of a temple dedicated to Goddess Diana, but it may look more like the idolization of power, wealth, decadence, or even outright denial of God. Uh, the Word of God is amazing in the way that, uh, even though we can read this letter almost two thousand years later, uh, we will still be able to find great application or encouragement in it. Uh, God's Word stands through time and will always be, as Second uh, Timothy. 3 says, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Ephesians 1 verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a common greeting used by Paul in his letters. And we even saw it when we covered Romans, uh, Romans 1.7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He also uses it in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.3, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, while this type of greeting is common in Paul's letters, that doesn't mean we should ignore the uh, theological Um, truths in the statement Um, god is the source of our grace and peace paul does not frame this in a manner of grace and peace be to you from your businesses or from your friendships or from your relationships or insert whatever you hold dear while these things may be recipients of grace or can put an ease to our heart at times and maybe we can find some type of peace in them uh, they're not the source of it the ultimate source Of uh, grace and peace is from the Lord. Our salvation rests upon the grace of God. Our lives rest upon God's grace. It is in this grace that we are at peace with God. Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are given grace as sinners who are now justified, and in this justification we have peace much more will the grace of the lord abound as we're going on to be sanctified Uh, grace to you from the source of all grace peace to you from the source of peace who you only have peace with because of his precious grace you are renewed as christians you have died to your old self and have been raised with christ by the grace of god grace and peace to you the people who have been made new from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are precious gifts from God, and we should not overlook them even in common phrasing that we would see from Paul. We ought to be reminded of the source of our grace and peace. We ought to be reminded of the precious gift we have in God. Um, For Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Was blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So, this is starting out a chunk of verses, verses 3 through 14. And this chunk of verses is one big long sentence, at least in the Greek it is. Um, And this long sentence is a doxology or a praise to the Lord and the praising of the purpose. Of the Lord the will of the Lord um, and Paul kind of goes off in these in verses 3 through 14 and just keeps expounding upon all of this we're only going to be able to cover uh, the small first part of it tonight but I guess keep that in mind as we go throughout uh, the studies or probably for the next two weeks we'll end up at the end of verse 14 um, but uh, verses 3 through 14 is along the lines of an expanded version of romans 8 uh, 28 through 30 and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we're going to essentially see all this theology expounded upon and in doxology form. So in a form that is uh, pointing to the Lord and praising the Lord. Paul is elevating and giving thanks to the Lord blessed be the God and father uh be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ it starts out at the very beginning framing it in blessed be the Lord this is a way of saying praise the Lord magnify the Lord honor the Lord as well as um, as setting our initial focus for this next uh chunk of verses that we're going to go through it sets our focus on the lord it sets our focus for these next verses uh in light of reasons to bless the lord to praise the lord to glorify the lord um we are focusing on the lord and not on ourselves and what's about to come even though it will be talked about how we uh or what we are receiving what is happening to us? But the main focus of this is doxology, praise to the Lord for what is happening. Um, and we can see the initial reason for a uh, blessing, or blessed be the Lord, in this first verse in Ephesians one three. Uh, bless the Lord who has blessed us in Christ. We are blessed in the work that Christ has done. We have been blessed in every spiritual blessing. Now, what are the spiritual blessings? What is every spiritual blessing? Well, we will see uh, the spiritual blessings of being made new in Christ. That's in the verses that we're going to get to in a second. Um, But our wonderful blessings in Christ of being adopted, our wonderful blessings of being made new in Christ, and everything that will outflow from that. Every blessing that outflows from us being made new, our eternal joy in heaven, our being seated in the heavenly places with Christ in his resurrection. Blessed be the Lord, for he has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Praise the Lord, for through Christ, we are made new. Through Christ, we are taken out of our sinful trespasses, and our old, dead, maggot-filled heart is brought back to life, and we are made new in him. It is blessings beyond any sort of comparison it's it's not really a countable amount of blessings it's every spiritual blessing but i'm not going to sit here and list off every spiritual blessing that could have happened to you but everything that comes through are being made new every spiritual gift that we are given it comes he has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing um, here's a quote from Spurgeon to kind of illustrate spiritual blessings. He says, quote, Our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring bless of all blessings. They are priceless in value. End quote. Blessed be the Lord, for he has blessed us through Christ. Through the one who has been raised from the dead, ascended to uh, be seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, we are blessed through him. We have been given every spiritual blessing through him. All of our spiritual blessings come through Christ and are in Christ. Give praise to the Lord for every spiritual blessing we have received through Christ, our cause to rejoice on high. Ephesians 1, uh, 4a. So I'm really, it's a majority of the verse. There's just one portion of it that I'm just doing with uh, verse five that you'll see when we get to it. Um, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, we ought to keep these verses in the continued framework of praising the Lord. Even if we see the word us and our pride tries to fight the text for some sort of self-satisfaction from our own works. We have no room to boast in this praise that is being given. It is the Lord who has chosen us. The Lord has chosen us in him. Our spiritual blessings that come through Christ are coming through by the choice of the Lord. It is the Lord's choice to make us new in him. It is the Lord's choice to see our sinful, unrepentant nature with our Dead and rotting hearts, and to choose to make us new in Him. Now, you can argue semantics about creaturely will compared to a free, fully libertarian will all day. You can talk your heart out if you want. Uh, but at the end of the day, what is being highlighted here? Whose choice is being magnified and praised here? It is the choice of the Lord? It is the choice of the Lord to restore us? It is the choice of the Lord to make us new? Who can argue with the choice of the Lord? Romans nine fourteen through 18, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human, exertion, human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Should the Lord's choice being magnified cause us to stray away from praise to him? Not in the slightest. Uh, just because our choice would be diminished does not mean that our praise ought to go away. Second 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we ought to always give thanks to God for you beloved brothers beloved by the Lord because God chooses you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit belief in truth give thanks to the Lord in this first Peter 1 2 through 6 a according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you, born again to a living hope. We ought to rejoice in the choice of the Lord. We ought to magnify his choice and his will. His choice and his will are perfect and unchanging. As we can see in the next part, he has chosen us from before the foundations of the world. The Lord has made his choice and his choice ought to cause praise and rejoicing. But furthermore, this choice was made before even the world was formed. This choice was made before you were born, before your mom was your dad was born, before your bear with me here, great-great-great-great-great-grandparents on your mom's 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 dad's mom's side were born. However you want to map that on a family tree, um just before they were born. <laughs> However far back you want to go, this choice was made before the first person took a breath and before God breathed the life into Adam. This choice was made before Genesis 1-1, before the beginning of the earth. choice happened so long ago that our minds could not even comprehend how long ago it happened the lord is eternal and forever consistent in His perfect and holy choice and will what does this choice entail well let's read a bit further i guess i will reread this verse even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him we should be holy and blameless before him paul doesn't say that we might probably, if the circumstances allow for it, that we can be kind of holy and maybe blameless, partially, kind of, before him. No. No. Uh, This choice uh, of making us new is one that results in us being holy and blameless before him. We could see that if we go back to the Romans 8 verse, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's no glorification for those who are not holy and blameless. The standard is perfection. choice of the Lord will end up with us being holy and blameless before him. Our sinful and disgusting lives are covered. They've been wiped clean. We are made new in the blood of Christ and in his wonderful sacrifice. In that sacrifice, we are made perfect and blameless in him. The choice of the Lord and the renewal of Christ of the believer the blessing of us with every spiritual blessing so that we may be holy and blameless before him is forever consistent the lord does not choose someone who will not be bought by the blood of christ and neither does christ's blood make someone new who has not been chosen by the lord the calling and the sacrifice are perfectly consistent and perfectly sufficient for us to made, be made holy and blameless before the lord all Does not phrase it in a manner that would suggest that Christ's blood would not be sufficient, because Christ's blood is sufficient. Just as the calling of the Lord is sufficient, Christ's blood is sufficient for making us holy and blameless before Him, that we are made new through His sacrifice. Ephesians 1 4b through 5. 4b is really just these first two words. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. How is this choice made by the Lord? It is made in love. Is not made because of some potential soul in you by the Lord. It is not made by how much money you would make in your lifetime is not made based upon your physical appearance and beauty is not made based upon how charismatic or charming you are is not made by how intelligent you may be is made upon the unconditional love of the lord it is not made by your merit the same type of love that's shown in john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, what did the Lord do in love? Let's read further. He predestined us for adoption. He had from before the foundations of the earth decided in love who shall be holy and blameless before him through the works of Christ. But what more does this entail? What does entail of us being holy and blameless before him? It entails us becoming his children. It entails adoption. It entails us being grafted into the family of the Lord. The choice of the Lord involves us getting a new father. A perfect and holy father who never falters or fails where our earthly fathers will stumble or trip. And This is all done through Christ Jesus. This is all done through salvation in Christ. Whereas we were once dead, we were made new with Christ. We have arisen with Christ. And in so doing, we've received the spirit of adoption. Romans 8, 15-17 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness With our spirit, that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Blessed be the Lord, for he has given unto us every spiritual blessing through Christ Jesus, incarnated into this world, lived a holy and blameless life, dies a sinner's death on the cross, is resurrected three days later and eventually ascending to be seated at the right hand of the father, the heavenly places. And now we are chosen by the Lord in love before the foundations of the earth so that we may be holy and blameless. Uh, And through Christ's death, burial and resurrection, we are adopted as sons to the perfect and righteous family of God. And all of this that we have described should prompt us to praise the Lord, for he has done all of this according to the purpose of his will. These blessings we receive in us being made new in Christ is not sort of some sort of random happening of chance. This is all done according to the purpose of his will, his holy and perfect will. He has not accidentally saved us and made us new, providing every spiritual blessing. He has intentionally made us new in love. He has chosen to make us new in love. It is a part of his perfect, righteous, holy, and unchanging will. It's part of before the foundations of the earth, so long ago that we can't even comprehend it. That That has been his will. That will has been planned in love to choose us, to redeem us, and to make us new. In Christ, our praise ought to be magnified to the Lord, who has adopted us into his perfect family. Ephesians 1 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. All these things, us receiving every spiritual blessing, the choice of the Lord, are making him making us holy blameless through Christ, the Lord's forever consistent nature, our adoption through Christ according to his perfect will, all of this is to the praise of his glorious grace. All these things ought to prompt us to praise him and praise his glorious grace, which is riddled throughout the previous verses. It is by grace that he gives us every spiritual blessing. It is by grace that that any of us are chosen before the foundation of the earth it is by grace that we are made holy and blameless before him, it is by grace that we are adopted into his family through Christ. All of these things are done by the glorious grace of the Lord. We ought to praise him in his glorious grace. Praise be to the Lord. All of these things are done to display the glory of God. All of these things point to the magnifying of the Lord. Just as everything will point to his glory, our redemption and adoption is not left out of that everything. Our redemption and adoption ought to directly point to his glory and prompt us to praise. Praise the Lord in his glorious grace. He has blessed us with his glorious grace. He has blessed us in the beloved. Who is the beloved? The beloved is Christ. The Father is God. Pleased with Christ and is He is considered beloved. Matthew 3:17. And behold, a voice said from heaven, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We are blessed in the works of Christ. We are blessed in Christ's sinless life, his dying on a cross and resurrection. We are blessed in the perfect, holy, and fully consistent with will of the Lord through Christ's actions. Christ's actions do not differ from the will of the Lord. Christ is beloved and he is perfect. It is in him, the beloved, that we receive blessings. It is through Christ whom we are brought to life. It is through Christ whom we receive every spiritual blessing. It is through Christ that we are adopted as sons. It is by Christ's sacrifice that we receive these blessings. 1 Peter 1, 18-21 You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who uh, through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. It is by Christ's blood that we receive immeasurable blessings. It is by the blood of the beloved the spotless lamb died for our sins. Praise God and give him glory in all things. Praise the Lord for his blessing of us in every spiritual blessing through Christ. Praise the Lord in making us holy and blameless before him. Praise the Lord in our adoption to his family as sons. Praise the Lord for his choices made before the foundations of the world. Praise the Lord that in Christ we are blessed. Glory be to God in his salvation of man. Glory be to God in, his, in making us new. Glory be to God in his choosing. Glory be to God in his consistent nature. Glory be to God in our adoption and redemption. Glory be to God in his glorious grace. Glory be to God for his perfect and holy will. Glory be to God in all things. Praise him in all things. All right. That is all I got for these verses. Are there any questions before I close this in prayer? Uh there is Suki 4B. Yeah, so I split up um verse 4 into 4A and B because of the way that it's structured. Yeah, so if if someone splits up a verse, they'll generally have a represent the first part, B is the last part. Uh, and so if you're doing like talking about one thing, so like say I was talking about like one verse the whole time or something, it'd be a lot easier to go like for A, for B, for C, and then you talk about it in different parts if a, a verse is particularly dense. But with how, with how they do it, uh, or the ESV has it, In Love f- fits better, in my mind, with going on to Verse five, but so I just split it up into four A, which cuts off at him, and then four B is just in love, is generally. So I just I try to cite the verses as specifically as I can because I don't want to cause confusion with that. But yeah, that's that's why I said four (laughs) B. Um, and y'all can y'all can raise your hand. It's it's question time if you wanna come up here. And talk with your actual voice. But if you don't want to, that's also fine. So let's see here sit here with a drink as we listen to Kristen preach. I sit here with water. Questions go in once. Graceful's typing. Do you want me to ask a question? Do you have a question? That's that's more so what now would be about. No. I won't force you to ask questions if you don't have a question. But, okay. I don't want to try to force some question that you don't understand. I sort of, We'll do the off-topic stuff later. I will I will pray for us, and, and you can ask me the off-topic question after. All right. Lord, I thank you for this time that we were able to read your word and to see... Uh, just how we ought to praise you, Lord. how we ought to be uh, glorifying you, how blessed you are, and the amount of blessings you receive in you, Lord, is immeasurable and uncountable. Um, I just pray for all of us that we go throughout our week that we'll be able to read our word daily, we'll be able to not forget what we have read through, this doxology this praise of you Lord that we're reading through uh, and that we'd be prompted to praise that we'd be prompted to glorify you that we wouldn't shy away from it in any regard Lord um, I just pray for us to go throughout our weeks to just keep you at the helm of whatever we're doing Lord I pray that scripture will not leave our minds and that we will, we will think about it that we will Ponder upon it and apply it to our lives, Lord. Pray for all this wonderful and holy name.